Hello, and welcome to another edition of Interviewing the Legends, brought to you by the Publicity Works Agency, devoted to promoting musicians and authors worldwide. Call us today at 941-877-1552 to start your free publicity evaluation. Remember, we shine only when we make you shine. Please welcome the host of Interviewing the Legends, music journalist, author, and entrepreneur, Ray Shasho. Hello once again, everyone. I'm your host, Ray Shasho. Welcome to another edition of Interviewing the Legends on BBS Radio TV. It's brought to you by the Rockstar Chronicles, Series 1, my new book featuring over 45 intimate conversations with the greatest music legends the world will ever know. It's available now at bookbaby.com and amazon.com. For the 50th anniversary of Ram by Paul and Linda McCartney, over 100 musicians have come together to celebrate this much-loved seminal album. With Sir Paul McCartney's blessing, they have re-recorded all of the Ram songs to create Ram On, the 50th anniversary tribute to Paul and Linda McCartney's Ram, released on May 14th of this year through Spirit of Unicorn Music, distributed by Cherry Red Records. Having played with New York's jazz elite, Denny Sywell received an invitation from Paul McCartney to move to London and become a founding member of the post-Beatles phenomena, Wings. Denny toured with Wings and played on many of that era's biggest hits, My Love and the Oscar-nominated Live and Let Die, along with McCartney's Ram, Wildlife, and Red Rose Speedway albums. Other highlights of Denny's London years included work with Joe Cocker, Donovan, The Who, with the London Symphony Orchestra and their groundbreaking version of the rock opera Tommy. Denny's signature drumming can be heard on records by Art Garfunkel, James Brown, Estrude Gilberto, Denise Williams, Janis Joplin's uh, posthumous farewell song album and Billy Joel's Cold Spring Harbor. Please welcome legendary drummer for Paul McCartney and Linda McCartney and then Wings, Denny Sywell. Hello, Denny. <laughs> Hi, Ray. That was a mouthful. Thank you. Anyway, you got it all right, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Most people you know, stumble on Astrud Gilberto. Oh, Astrud. Astrud Gilberto. No, you got it. You, okay. got it. you nailed it. Yeah. Awesome. What, what? What is he Brazilian or is he? That's got, a lady. That's oh, okay. God, I'm way off. That, that's too uh, no. We're good, Ray. Good, 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 good. At three, the the button gets pushed and you get kicked out of the seat, and your partner comes in. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> what What was the atmosphere on uh, on Ram in, in the studio? I know you know it was. A lot going on right after the Beatles. Uh, what, what was that atmosphere like anyway? Uh, I, I had to pinch myself every five minutes to make sure that I was still alive. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we'd been making records with a lot of important uh, artists at the time, but uh, not a Beatle, not a Beatle, not especially a Paul McCartney. So the atmosphere was, it was... Um, of a legend, an icon, and two guys that were just New York session men who had to bring their best game to uh, their, their best performances to to this uh, this show that we were involved in. And, and Paul would come in and he would just play the song to us that we were going to do these days. Oh my God! And Dave Spinoza or Human, we'd look at each other and said, "Well, we better come up with some really good parts." This music will be heard for many years. And here we are, 50 years ago, and it's more popular than it was when it was released. So, You're uh, kind of an audition, I guess, right. uh, with Paul McCartney was kind of strange because you, you were in a um, kind of a bad place 
in town and the kind of old building. Street between 9th and 10th. You could right. get mugged in the daytime there. <laughs> what was that all about? Why, why did they pick that location? Uh, clandestine. You know, you wanted to not have the cameras around. Right. Uh, you know, they, they, they love New York because they could walk the streets and people would leave them alone. Mm-hmm. New Yorkers would go, hey, Paulie, how you doing? And they just keep going. Yeah, but he was not mobbed by crowds and all that. We went to restaurants and people were very respectful. New Yorkers don't give a damn, you know. They don't care who you are, and yeah. you know they paid their respects, but they didn't bother him, and uh, they loved that. But when he he went to about looking at musicians, I think he just wanted a private setting. It wasn't a, it was a brownstone, uh, dirt floor basement hmm. set of. Uh, crappy drums from studio instrument rentals and uh, that was it they were sitting over in the corner i don't even remember if there had to be a couple of chairs there but they, i don't think there was any electricity in the building <laughs> and uh, i really thought when i got there i said hey, is there a studio in this there was a guy sitting in the lobby i walked up the steps to the brownstone and he said uh, he pointed to the basement and i said whoa that's not a good sign. When they point to the basement, something bad's <laughs> going to happen, you know, <laughs> like a horror movie or something. So I went down, and there's Paul and Linda, and I said, hey, you're Paul McCartney. He says, yeah, I know that. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, he asked me what to do. What uh, He told me what they were about to do, and he asked me if I minded playing for him. And, and I, I think the next thing that I said, uh, I said, well, you want to play with me? You've got a guitar or a bass or something that we can just play together. He says, no, 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 Just I just want to see you play. And I said, well, I get it. If you can't get it on by yourself, how can you get it on by somebody <laughs> else? I think he liked that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just sat down at the tubs and I said, uh, what do you want to hear? He said, let me play some rock and roll. And I went, okay, here comes Ringo. <laughs> I just, you know, I went right to the Tom Toms. And he liked my attitude and the fact that I could, could get it on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, I think I was the first one that, that made it to that audition. It, I'm not sure of this, though. But anyway, uh, I walked out of that. was there 15 minutes. I said, gee, thanks, and really great meeting you. And I left, and I think, I'll never get if, if If he's here auditioning drummers, there's a million guys that are going to get it before me. Right. So I forgot about it, and I went back to my uh, my work and Three or four days later, the, the phone rings in my apartment, and I happen to be there, which is unusual. And I pick up the phone. I goes, "Yeah, who, who is this?" He said, "This Paul." <laughs> Paul who? I said, "What do you mean, Paul who? This is Paul, you schmuck." You know, he didn't say that. But anyway, uh, he said, "I want to hire you for this uh, project." And uh, I said, "Give me a minute. Just let me see if I'm available." <laughs> oh, yeah. Put the phone down. <laughs> threw everything in the air. And, and I said, yeah, I think I can do it. And he, asked me, <laughs> he asked me to not book anything for six weeks, mm. Monday through Friday, uh, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., banker's hours for six weeks. And I said, okay, I can do that. And um, I was thrilled and excited and everything. And uh, later I found out that uh, he hired three drummers for the project. The first one uh, was, well, with me, was the first, but then he hired... Uh, Donald McDonald, who was one of my favorite players, a great, great uh, drummer, who died at 41. He uh, mm. he fooled around a little too much with the, uh, the mad 60s, you know, yeah. hit his body in. And then there was this uh, this incredible black drummer by the name of Herb Lavelle, who did a lot of the Motown and R&B stuff in, in right. town. He was a great drummer, too. And so after the first week, though, Paul and I started working, and we just we hit it off so so good that... He let the other two guys go, and he said, you're going to do the whole album. I think you're right for this thing. So I was thrilled. My career couldn't get any better, and um, it was it was beautiful, man. I couldn't wait to get to work. Yeah, Ram was a great album. And you guys recorded that in New York and also L.A.? Is that right? Well, yeah, most of it was done in New York. Uh, okay. Did, there was only one or two, two or three tracks done in L.A. Right which was uh, near the finish of it. We had a couple left to go. And well, I think Paul was coming out here to get the, uh, the Grammy for Let It Be. Mm-hmm. And I think he, 
you know, he just wanted to try something a little bit different for the few tracks that were less. And he actually called Jim Garcio in to uh, produce right. it, to co-produce his stuff. And uh, it just didn't work out, but uh, we recorded uh, Dear Boy here in a studio owned by uh, Armin Steiner. It's called Sound Recorders. And I believe that's where Eric, the Norwegian, <laughs> I think that's where he recorded that stuff. Uh, I don't I remember much about him. I was in and out. Paul flew me out, and we kept us, you know, here for a little while, and, you know, we did some hanging out and some little partying and dinners and stuff. Went to the Grammys together, um, and that was kind of funny, because uh, <laughs> Monique and my wife and I, we were around the corner at the Hollywood Hawaiian Hotel or Motel, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and um, so we said, we don't even have clothes to do this, so I went down to Santa Monica Boulevard, and I bought, a, like, a... a Pink leather jacket. It was great. You know, <laughs> suede. It was really hip. Oh man! And she had some nice clothes. And, and Paula Linda didn't wear what the the ordinary was. Uh, in those days, it was tuxes. You know, they were yeah. you know yeah. normal and stuff. So Paul had a he had a a plastic bow tie. I think <laughs> you know Linda had moccasins on and an Eve Saint Laurent. You know, it was we, you could spot us that we were different. And they gave us a table, a little table in the very back of the auditorium. It was at the, uh, oh, geez, what's the name of that place now on Sunset? Uh, shoot, I can't, I'll think of it in a minute. But, uh, Pal- no, um, Palladium. Yeah, that's Palladium. it. Yeah. And uh, we had a checkered tablecloth like an Italian restaurant and everything. And people left them alone, you know, for the most part. Yeah. And uh, then the award came up for Let It Be, and he and Linda got up went on stage, they took the award, they went backstage, and we never saw him again that night. Really? <laughs> so we walked back to the Hollywood Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I talked I talk to some people in Tucson. My my cousin used to live out there, and the same thing. People left him alone. His, he had a house in Tucson, and mm-hmm. he would come to the market, and, hey, Paul, how you doing? Yeah. yeah no big deal. Regular guy. Yeah, yeah. sure was. Has Paul heard this new release yet or not? He has. He has. What do you say? He's very happy with it. Good. I didn't hear it directly from him, but I heard it from um, from Leesman Jr. Uh, he passed the message on to Lee. He said he, the guys did a great job on that. And, uh, he, he gave us his blessing before we even started it. Right. And uh, he knew how how important Ram was to me. It was like mm-hmm. the thing that kickstarted my career. and my, It couldn't get any better anyways. As soon as I, I was making a lot of records in those days, but uh, I probably made a couple hundred records over the, over the years, but Ram yeah. was always my favorite. I considered it the, the best effort I put in. I gave the album five stars. Um, some of the songs I really liked, Too Many People featuring Dan Rothschild, yeah. was a great version of the tune. Really, really enjoyed that. That's Paul Rothschild's son. Oh, Paul Rothschild's son. Okay. The producer, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, the door. And you had, you had uh, Durga McGroom, uh, McGroom yeah. which is with Pink Floyd, well-known Pink Floyd singer on uh, Legs, featuring the Dirty Diamond. Mm-hmm. Uh, another great song. Uh, is it Pat Sanson? Is that his name? Yeah. Pat sounds a lot like Paul. And I guess he was from Wilco, right? Was that the band he was with? Yeah. Exactly. I didn't know any of these guys. This is all Fernando's. I mean, he's got a network of those, uh, you know, what do you call them? Gen X's or forty year old guys in the music business and people that I didn't really know. And when we when we really thought about doing this, I said I don't know if it'd be right if I call in all my heavyweight friends to do this. I don't know about that. And uh, Fernando says, "Yeah, I don't. I don't think that'd be right either. Why don't we find people that absolutely love right. the Ram album and it's in their DNA? It's part of them. And let's let's see if that will be the the best call. And it was. It was. He knew all of these people. And my job was the hardest job of all." He did the, the heavy lifting, but I mm-hmm. have to say, that guy is great, but this guy is better. Right. Or this guy is truer to the part and to the to the vibe of the <clears> album. So 
I, I had a I had a mix a few performances that were really wonderful, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm really happy with what we ended up with. I, I think you're very smart for getting these guys. You know, I mean, it, they're not household names. Yep. Very talented. You know, great musicians, great voices. I think you guys did a, a wonderful job. You really did a great job. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're real, real proud of it. One of my favorite songs, I, I wanted to get Paul on one day and ask him. Uh, I wasn't going to ask him a lot of Beatle questions because everything has been done about the Beatles. I wanted to ask him about, um, you know, Uncle Albert, because yeah. I never understood the song. Do, do, do you do you get it? <laughs> I've heard him talk about it on one of the, uh, you know, the, the reissues. I heard him talk about it, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was just... Uh, he started singing this song to me, and I went, "Wow, that's so beautiful!" And I said, "This is crazy!" And uh, on the hangs across the water, the time turns around, and oh man! And we rehearsed it a couple of times. Mm -hmm. That's a track. Uh, that's the only track on the album where Paul asked me to find a different part. He never gave me uh, instructions on what he wanted to hear. Right, but on the beginning, Uncle Albert, I was just playing. Ching, ching, mm -hmm. I was just playing like a regular beat, and he says, "Can you find a part that breaks up and uh, exposes the vocal a little?" Mm -hmm. So I went, "Wow, that's weird. That's, I've never been asked that before." So I fooled around with it for a minute, and we rehearsed it. And boom, Jack, boom. So it, it fit the vocal so beautifully. He said, ah, oh, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. And that was it. But he gave me a clean slate, a clean palette to, to bring my creativity to that whole record. And the yeah. songs were just so special, man. And, uh, you know, one day I was I was hanging out with, uh, uh, I'm friends with Ringo. I see him a lot mm -hmm. here in L.A. And he goes, oh, yeah, you could play all that. I'll bet, I'll bet you played that whole Uncle Albert track in one take. And I said, as a matter of fact, we did. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. That's one of my favorite songs. And, and my middle name is Albert, so. <laughs> oh, and you know what? I think the kids, we had a guy from the Netherlands put the, uh, uh, the vibe part on there. There was a girl, I don't know their names, she played the harp part on there. And apparently... There was a girl that put all the string parts on one at a time, and those string section parts were just like the record. I mean, it was, it was brilliant. It was uh, is it bebop Paulula, right? Bebop Paulula. Bebop Paulula. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, I never heard him before. You know. Well, I knew a couple of little kids in bebop Paulula. Uh, I think his name is Alex Jules. Uh, right. Because they played in Denny Lane's band, and I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Denny was playing here in L.A. at a place called uh, Bogies, and he asked me to come out and play, uh, sit in and play Live and Let Die with the band. And uh, So I met a couple of the guys from Bebop Alula, so they were also Denny's band when, right. when he'd be playing on the West Coast. Well, they did did a great job on that. <laughs> sure <Yeah. did. laughs> Smile Away featuring Timmy uh, Sean, another great cover. He killed me when I yeah. first heard his voice. Yeah. In fact, we tried not to use anybody on more than one track. Right. But we had to use him on two, I think. But uh, uh, when I first heard his voice, I went, wow, this is this is beyond perfect. Uh, so if you listen to that track, when you get to the guitar solo, that's mm -hmm. one of the highlights of the album for me. You know, we were we had a lot of stuff going on. Right. And, I said, you know what? I went one of my buddies on this record, and a guy that's become like my my brother. Uh, he lives around the corner here, mm -hmm. Davy Johnstone from Elton mm -hmm. John's band. Right. And I said, Davy, would you mind? You know, I don't want to get celebrities on this thing, but I th I, I really would love to have you play on Smile Away. Mm -hmm. And I didn't ask, tell him what I thought he should do. I just, I'd mm -hmm. love to have you on that track. And he goes. All right, oh, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> so I sent it over, and this is the most iconic guitar solo on the record. I, I think it's it's so brilliant. It's so him, and it's so right for the song. You know, the musicianship is spot on on this yeah, album. Yeah. I mean, you can't you know you can't get any better than that. Yeah. And again, you had Dan Rothschild again for another yeah. cut on uh, Heart of the Country. Yeah. yeah. Great yeah, singer. First time I heard him. Uh, 
sing Heart of the Country. I said, that's it. I don't want to listen to anybody else. This is too good, man. It was an easy, easy choice. <clears throat> Long-haired lady. Well, that was done during the Ram period, you know, and it yeah. was released during Wings. But uh, but this this record came way back with the horn section on there. Mm-hmm. We tried to stay true to the original track. And some of these tracks, you know, when we initially recorded them uh, at, in, at CBS 52nd Street, uh, there was no click. People didn't use click tracks, and, and especially a Beatles, you know. So, Paul, we just right. recorded them, and it would be, be like an epic song that went all over the place. It just, we got it right when we got it right. And so uh, we start, started trying to do it with a click track like is mm-hmm. done today, so we could add the parts and, there, you know. And I said, no, it doesn't feel like the same thing. Let's do this. <laughs> Let me just play along to the original CD. Right. So I'm hearing the whole song in my head, and I'm putting a new drum part down. Mm-hmm. And then we got the drums right, and then we build it out from there. Bring the guitars on, and the basses, and the vocals. And uh, there was a half, more than half of the tracks were, were done that way. A couple of times, I think we may have used the click track just to get it started, mm-hmm. and then shut the damn thing off when we got rolling after the first eight bars. Yeah. You know, most people will record traditional Beatles songs. And they'll try to match it exactly like, you know, the Beatles. Right. You, guys, you guys had a different approach to this album, yeah. and I really love it. Well, that's 50 that's, years of learning on my part. And thinking yeah. about the parts that I recorded, I'm saying, maybe I've changed that a little bit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and the sounds are ter- terrific. They are great. Technology and stuff. Yeah. That uh, who engineered the album? The, the producer, also? Fernando. Okay, Fernando engineered see, it also. See, yeah. this was done during the lockdown. He's got a studio right. up here in Reseda, eight minutes from my house, <laughs> and uh, he had this idea. And he said, "Would you come up and play drums on this? We got a couple of tracks recorded. We got too many people, and some people never know which. You know, that's going to be later. We might use that, but he said, "Would you come up and put drums on it just for something to do?" And I went. Yeah, why not? So I go up to his place. He's a new friend. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that he was this talented. He had an old set of Slingeland in there, and he had them all mic'd up. I didn't have to do anything but sit down and play. Wow. And one day, one day I went up when we were doing this Ramon project. He said, we're in the height of the pandemic now. Why don't you come up and get as many tracks done as you can in one sitting so we don't have any more live exposure to each other? Right. So that's <laughs> probably a good idea. So we went and masked up and everything before we got vaxxed and all that. But we mm-hmm. masked up. And one day I, I did eight tracks, eight drum tracks. In really? Three, three hours time. Jeez. Because <laughs> I'm, you know, it's, it's like breathing to me. I remember I do this stuff in Beetle Fests and yeah. I go Ram Clinic and I do some clinics and stuff like this. So it wasn't anything new. I just sat down and played what I, yeah. what I always play. What's a pro? Always a pro. Well, <laughs> it's <pretty> easy. <laughs> I think my, my favorite tune, uh, O Woman, O Y, with yeah. Eric Dover, Lauren right. Lay. That's one of my favorite songs, I think. That was a great job. That was, I got to give Fernando credit there. We had uh, this guy, Eric Dover, sang with right. Jimmy Fish, and he sings with Slash's band. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he sounded like he was right for the for the song, but there were places where it sounded too much like like other screamers, you know. Mm-hmm. Just didn't work as well when he sang the whole thing, but parts of it worked really good. So it was Fernando's idea to uh, have Lauren do the first verse, which is the ladies' version, you know, yep. why she shot the guy. And then he <laughs> said, why'd you do that, you know? And it was, it's, so it turns into this beautiful duet, you know. Mm-hmm. And it really, uh, it's one of Paul loved that song too much. I mean, it was so different from the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. And I was over to see him years ago in London, right after Linda passed away. And we were, yeah. we were goofing on that. And I was playing drums in his studio. And, and I started playing that beat. He goes, oh, yeah, wasn't that great? He said, we had a gunshot in the studio and all that. I said, yes. mm, I wasn't there. I don't remember that. <laughs> Drummers aren't allowed around guns, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big, strong rocker, man. And um, I, I don't know if we ever did that live with Wings. Uh, 
I, we may have. I, I'm not sure now, but uh, that, that should have been on our playlist for sure. I, I saw Wings live, but you weren't there. It was yeah. the Wings Over America. Right. Yeah, which is really good. It was a I wasn't concert. there because I we got busted in Sweden for <laughs> <laughs> uh, he Well, at least you didn't, didn't spend time in, in a Japanese jail like Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I heard him tell that story. Yeah. Oh, it must have been horrible. That was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> no, we 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 got drug off stage. I'll never forget it. We had our our band jackets on sequin lapels, nothing on short sleeve, nothing underneath. <laughs> we got drug off stage and taken down, they, down to the police station. And uh, I'm alone in there. Two cops just stiff arm me and take me in there. <laughs> then I hear some ruckus coming down the hallway, and it's Paul and Linda, and they're making all kinds of, raising all kinds of hell. <laughs> and the cops are apologizing. They can't give us a drink or a sandwich, you know. Mm-hmm. We're sweaty, everything from the show. And, uh, the promoter come down and paid the fine it was right. some, and sent us the package, you know, yeah, with my name on it. <laughs> That's not right. And of course, now it's legal. <laughs> yeah, really. Come on. Yeah. There's still guys in jail being busted for pot, which is ridiculous, you know? Yeah. That's crazy. And of course, you, you were on uh, Wildlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Parsons was on that and Tony Clark, right? Engineering. Yeah. yeah, that's why in the beginning on Mumbo you hear, take it, Tony! <laughs> we were down, you know, that album was very uh, organic. Mm-hmm. We had just, like originally, Paul called me up after Ram. My wife and I went to Scotland to hang out with him a little bit, knowing we could go see her family in the south of France. And right. So we're there hanging out, and he said, Hugh McCracken's in, in town, he's in Europe, mm-hmm. uh, finishing a tour with Gary Wright, so he's going to be here too. So Huey and Holly, his wife, came up to Campbelltown and we uh, went up to Paul's place and we hung out. We had a few drinks and, and uh, he said, you want to, tomorrow, come on up and leave your wives at, down in a hotel or in the village and just come on up and we're, we're going to start just goofing around and making some music. And I said, yeah, okay. So uh, he said, man, I really miss having a band. And I think I want to put a band together. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you guys in? And I said, I'm in. <laughs> Immediately, Huey thought about it. He said, can I, can I let you know tomorrow? And he talked it over with his wife. And I didn't know it. Paul didn't know it. Mm-hmm. He had a prior marriage with some young kids. And he didn't want to miss their childhood by, by having to live in Europe, you know, or in England. Yeah. So he said no. And it, it always freaked Paul out. And um, I got to make that right a couple of years before Huey died. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in New York and uh, called him up. We, I went up to his apartment and we were hanging out. And, he, you know, we were just talking about the old days. He broke his acoustic guitar out and played along right. with Uncle Albert. You know, it was, <laughs> it was so sweet. And then he said, you know, the reason why I didn't didn't go along with you and join the band with Paul. I said, no, what the hell was it? Was it because his wife was a model and she had a little acting career and stuff? Yeah. Was it Holly? And she said, no, I had a a prior marriage, and I had two young kids. I just couldn't miss mm-hmm. that. Right. When I told that to Paul, it was unbelievable. It meant all the difference in the world. Yeah. Because you know how he feels about ch- kids. And oh, yeah. Children. He's got a ton of them. That's his thing, <laughs> you know. And he said, I'm so glad you told me that. I could, for years, I just didn't know what to think, you know? Yeah. And so that was one of the, probably one of the best things I could have done for that whole period. Yeah. You know, Paul, Paul's never going to retire. I don't think so. I just saw him on an Instagram thing just five minutes he's, ago. My wife, he's everywhere. He looks great. He sounds yeah. great, man. Uh, you know, I keep telling him, you know, like, you want to make a hit record? Call me up again. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But he gets some <laughs> great players. But it's, I'll tell you something. Wings was so special. Great band. We had fun. Mm-hmm like none of the other bands that he's ever had mm-hmm. since have. They've never had that kind of fun before. Yeah. I mean, we, we traveled, we lived, we, it was all a, it was a family. And, mm-hmm. and we, it was, it was, it was really great. It really was. I think you said business got in the way of it all. 
pretty much. Yeah, but well, the, the the Apple Court receivership, yeah. all of their funds was tied up, and we were making no money to begin with, and we were Shame. okay with that. But it yeah. was on a promise that wasn't going that wasn't even going to happen anymore. It it, it caused some rubs. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very unfortunate. It's one of my only regrets in life mm-hmm. that I didn't sit Paul down and say, "Okay, you and I, come on, this is what." We agreed upon, let's mm-hmm. put it in writing. Yeah. And then someone told me that that wouldn't even be legal if we did while that receivership was on. So yeah, I made a, a, a pretty drastic decision that I, I I wish I hadn't made. You know, yeah. that's my regret. Yeah. We're still friends, and oh, I, yeah. I still talk to him on a regular basis. Yeah. In fact, I just texted him. Seems like a good guy. Seems, I, I know a lot of people that know Paul. I knew his dad. You know his dad, Jim. Oh yeah, we went a bunch of times up in Liverpool. I met his dad. He oh. comes from good family. He's a he's a good kid. He's right, a good kid. You know, just he's a year older than me, by the way. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so June he'll be seventy nine. I'll be seventy eight in July. Yeah, I think Ringo turned eighty. Right, he's eighty already. Oh so, yeah, I, yeah. I don't let him. He looks good. He looks really Ringo good. Looks great. He looks really of course, all he eats is broccoli and boiled potatoes. Is that right? <laughs> I was invited to uh, cover a couple of his shows as a guest, but I yeah. never got to meet him. No, oh, he's yeah. a sweetheart. He's yeah. really he's living uh, he's full time in L.A. now, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's I see him almost every week. Yeah, except when he's out of town. But he's he's a great guy. Yep. Yeah, great I'm drummer. Thrilled. Great I'm drummer. thrilled that I'm the next guy that got the call to <laughs> be cool? drums. You know, very cool, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Not many people can say that. That's right. You're the next Beatle. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the fifth Beatle. No. But, uh, I was the next drummer after Ringo. So That's awesome. That was a pretty pretty big accomplishment. I was fortunate to interview Henry McCullough. Nice guy. Oh. And, and, and you performed with him. You did a couple of side things with him, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. We, well, we were coming to New York to do the Beatle Fest. Right. And uh, we hadn't seen each other in many years. And I don't remember what year it was, but I said, Henry, come on, let's make a Beatles album. Yeah. Let's do a tribute to, but do them, you sing the way you hear the Beatles mm-hmm. albums. And he goes, wow, that's weird. I said, just record them over, take a microphone and record you singing the songs and I'll do the rest here. Mm-hmm. So instead, he got some of his local buddies in Northern Ireland. They went into a studio, and, and they put down the tracks with a drum machine, or a, a guy played a little drums. Then they sent it over, and I put drums on right here in the studio, hmm. in my home studio. And uh, right. it's called Shabby Road. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Henry had such a great sense of humor. Yeah, I, I just miss him so dearly. Like, yeah. We were like... We were bread and butter in the band, you know. Really? Paul and Linda were always off doing their thing, and, and but when they came into the band, mm-hmm. it was Henry and I and the two roadies. We were always getting into trouble and uh, <laughs> and egging each other on, you know. That we were the tricksters and all of that. It, he I, told me one of his biggest accomplishments was doing that lead on My Love. Oh yeah, yeah. I was there, man. I yeah. mean, I just remember hearing that playback and my tears in my eyes. It was, it was, it was so brilliant, you know. And then years later, Henry and I got called. It was, I think, it was '03. We were called to play in Liverpool at the Beatle Fest. And uh, so we hadn't seen each other since 73, since we left the band. And uh, here we are on stage with a, a band, some local guys that, that knew all Wings music, and we're playing My Love. And Henry gets the, to the guitar solo, and Henry just played it better than the record. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, I was sitting where they're behind the drums, just crying like, oh. yeah. Linda's gone. Yeah. You know, everything is patched up. Everybody's mm-hmm. happy now. We're friends again. Yep. God, it was, it was pretty uh, emotional, man. It was pretty amazing. Henry was a very excellent musician. He, you know, of course, with Joe Cocker and yeah. did a little with Spooky Tooth. He did I Am the Warris. He was yeah. on that track. Yeah. Henry was the first guy in Ireland. Mm-hmm. that was allowed to bring an electric guitar into an Irish show band. <laughs> Sweeney's Men, it was called. Really? Oh, he was the Jimi Hendrix of Ireland. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he really was. I truly miss him. He was my, my, my mate, my brother, man. Yeah, good guy. 
And we did a lot of, I stayed in touch with him while right. he was, through his illness and everything. We stayed very close. Yeah. He was on uh, Dark Side of the Moon. It's one of the voices in the back. Oh, yeah. We were all in there recording. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're really loose when we're in the studio recording. Yeah. Abby Road there. And they're upstairs yeah. in the other room. Right. So they asked us the one and one to come in. And they'd give us this little three-by-five card right. with questions on it. Mm-hmm. Don't read the question. Just give an off-the-wall answer to it. Right. And uh, we all did that. Mm-hmm. And usually we were a little smoked. <laughs> <laughs> we might even have a few pints or whatever. But... Uh, you know, we were having fun with it, and uh, Henry had that much fun. I guess they kept him, and he made the record. <laughs> I don't think I did, though. They probably didn't like the accent. <laughs> a fun song was High, 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 and and that was um, – they didn't like that in England. I, thought, oh, I guess Mary they- Whitehouse didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> she was the one that uh, – what do they call those people uh, that they, they don't allow certain things on the air? She was the – that poison, you know. And she yeah. thought that he said, I want to lay you on the gun bed and shoot you with my body gun. And it wasn't the lyric. It was polygon. Right. It uh-huh. made no sense whatsoever. Right. I want to grab your sweet banana and do it like I'm going to do your sweet banana. Yeah. And, you know, this, this woman was like, she was, she was probably having an orgasm as she banned the record, you know. <laughs> but it and it was a hit. Record. It was a big hit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it still is a great song. I mean, it's a great song. I love playing that song. I think that that was only released on a 45, I think. And then later, much later on, it was released on an album oh, by, by Paul. Oh. Yeah. Very, very, very different. And of course, one is one of your big songs has got to be Live and Let Die. Yeah. No, yeah. So great to do. Uh, uh, we were up at the house. Mm-hmm. His house in London, around the corner from Abbey Road, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I, I had a. I read this book the other night, the Ian Fleming novel, Living Like Die, and uh, they want me to write a theme for it." And he went over to the piano, and we were all just hanging out, and he started writing this song. So he, it was in his brain, I'm sure. But he, let me see, chase scenes, James Bond, and he wrote that little section. And he said, "Oh, it's got to have a melody too." So he wrote this little melody right in front of us, and then he says, well, I gotta throw a reggae bit in there. So, <laughs> what did it matter to you? Yeah. So, we got, the, we got the song there. We, we all had our instruments in the living room there. So, we started fooling around and playing and rehearsing, finding parts to play to this thing. And uh, it was, it didn't take you know 15 20 minutes to write the song. Amazing. So, now we're working out licks and parts and stuff and he must have run a a, a, a recording you know hit hit record on a little t- two track or something mm-hmm. and and got a version that we played and once we found parts that seemed to work we knocked it into a song sent it off to george martin george martin did the orchestra he wrote out the orchestra parts and uh, a couple of days later we're at his at studio it's called air london mm-hmm. and uh, we're up there and we got a live 40-piece orchestra Ray wow. Cooper was over there in the, in the corner with his timpani and duck mm. calls, blah, blah, blah. you know, and, and he was, da, 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 you know, it was, it just, we were in and out of the studio. That's crazy. Live with the orchestra, yeah. vocals and mix in three hours. That's amazing. Yeah, it truly was. Huh. Sounds like such a production that would have taken... It was just that when you have a craftsman like Paul McCartney writing the song, good players learning their parts, you know, and then George Martin writing the arrangement around it, Mm -hmm. they can't lose. They can't lose. (laughs) Those guys wrote all those hit songs very quickly. I talked to Peter Asher, and he was there in, uh, was it Lindy, whose uh, house was that? I forgot. Uh, I think it was Paul's, was it Paul's... uh, Asher, yeah, his his sister, right? Oh, yeah. Asher, used to date Jane Asher. Asher. Jane Asher, yeah. And they wrote Hard Day's Night downstairs, and they came up and then sang it to Peter Asher. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, how, that's how they did it. It's amazing. Yeah, I did. A, I was at Ringo's birthday party a couple of years ago, and, uh-huh. and Peter uh, Asher interviewed me and Jimmy Keltner. Oh, cool. That, what a yeah. treat that was. You know, Jimmy's a good buddy of mine, but 
right. to have Peter Asher, you know, showering you with compliments. Uh, oh, that's, yeah. that's pretty odd. He's a, quite a gentleman and a very mm-hmm. knowledgeable and a beautiful man. Yeah, I told him he was the original Austin Powers <laughs> with the red hair and the glasses. Cool, yeah. <laughs> Who were the, uh, the the drummers that got you interested in, in becoming a drummer? You know, the early influences, I guess. Well, you know, uh, I was a jazz guy before. I met yeah. Him. And you still are, right? Yes, yeah, still. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, there were guys like Elvin Jones and Mel Lewis and, uh, you know, Art Blake. You know, I love mm-hmm. all those guys. And, yeah. and I came to, uh, to New York to start my career just when pop music was coming into the modern right. culture and TV commercials and radio jingles and Mel Lewis and Grady Tate and all those guys were, they were doing all the work, but they mm-hmm. played jazz. Uh, they had, they, they played rock and roll with a little swing to it. And when I came into town, I played rock and roll more like, like Latin music, like mm-hmm. Brazilian music. Cause I'd mm-hmm. been to Brazil when I was in the Navy band and I heard right. Bossa Nova and Samba and all that. Thank, thank you for your service, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's all straight eights or straight eights rather than jing, 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 rather than swung music. And Ringo swings like a jazzer. That's why he's such a great drummer. John Bonham swung like a jazzer. Play rock in a different way. And so I that's how that's how I got started, man. And you know, and I, I was working in a jazz band at the Half Note with Al Cohn and Zoot Sims, Zoot Sims. And, uh, for no money at all, yeah. hundred bucks a week, six nights a week, and uh, this is like '67, and wow. <clears throat> and somehow the guys heard me. Who's the new kid in town playing with mm-hmm. the the masters? And I started getting calls for recording sessions. So, yeah, and then Paul came to town and uh, snagged. I was already I did records with. James Brown, Billy Joel, uh, yep. John Denver, mm-hmm. A.J. Johnson and Kai Winding, the trombone players, yeah. Andrew Gilberto. Mm-hmm. You know, I was doing, we'd do a record in a couple of days there because mm-hmm. they were paying you good money. So you came in and you bang, you nailed it. And you're in and out, in mm-hmm. and out. And the records are still on the radio today. Yeah. I'm surprised you weren't one of the uh, wrecking crew guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was one step away. If I if I would have moved out here a little earlier, yeah. But uh, I, he's he's in Denny Tedesco's a neighbor. He lives right around the corner from us. Really? Is that right? Yeah. Huh. And his father, Tommy, I I did a few sessions with him out here on some movie dates and TV shows and stuff. What a, yeah. a great musician. You did a lot of TV themes, right? You worked on a lot of TV. Knott's Landing, I think, and some other stuff. Yeah, a whole bunch yeah. of In those days, they were using live music, and then yeah. it all changed. The computer and the drum machine came along, and they found out they can do it without musicians. Right. <laughs> That's that a shame. Oh, terrible. That sucks. And then <laughs> I, did a, I did a lot of big movies with a, a, a composer by the name of James Newton Howard. Right. We did Waterworld and Perfect Murder. Right. And uh, Dinosaurs and uh, mm-hmm. all kinds of Disney films and whatever. Yeah. You know, large 110-piece symphony orchestra where I'm mm-hmm. just one of uh, six or seven percussionists in the back of the, the room, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really love that because it tests all of your your skills. As That's right. You know, you have to be able to read this music and interpret it and play the right mm-hmm. part every time. Don't make any mistakes. You right. want to call back. So. Did you ever meet Buddy Rich? I did. Uh, did several you? times. Yeah. I first met him when I was 13 years old in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Wow. My dad took him down, took me down to meet him. He was yeah. playing with the Harry James band. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, maybe 13 or something like that. And my dad took me down and uh, he was a drummer. He, mm-hmm. My dad played with Tommy Dorsey a little bit in the very Really? That's cool. Yeah. So yeah. I met him then, and, and in 1980 something, he was out here, and he, he did a concert uh, in a little local jazz club where it was just three guys. Mm-hmm. Chuck DeMonico on bass, the best bass player mm-hmm. that ever lived, uh, you know, jazz bass player, and uh, Roger Kellowell on the piano, and Buddy played brushes just about all really? in huh. a trio sit- sit- sitting, and it was it was every drummer in the world found out huh. about this and showed up. And they all just sat there bowing down <laughs> to Buddy. It was truly amazing. Yeah. 
he's the fastest drummer I've ever seen. But I've he's seen a lot of drummers. He's also the slowest. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he, he was a true musician. You know? Yeah. He did have incredible chops. Yeah. Incredible chops. I always hear uh, from all the people that I, uh, especially drummers, the best drummers they've ever seen was uh, Buddy Rich and Cooper. Gene, Gene Cooper. Gene Krupa, yeah. Yeah. They, they always mention those two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that generation spawned a lot of incredible oh, yeah. drummers. Yeah. But then I'm our, with you. Our, I love jazz. I love jazz. Yeah. 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 Here's, your, here's your final question, Denny. If you had it, feel the dream's wish, like the, the uh, movie, to uh, collaborate or perform with anybody from the past or present, who would you, who would you pick? Uh, to, to, to play with again, you mean? Yeah, play with or, uh, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, I'd still, I'd, in fact, every, every so often I tell Paul, I said, get me while I can still do it. I mean, <laughs> I'll be able to do it till I'm old, but I don't know how far my body's going to go. I can play the drum. I can, yeah. I still play like I was 28 years old. I'm damn near 78, but, uh, so I'd like to play with him again because mm-hmm. we had such a very special, like if there was a chance that they, let's say they did like a Wings concert. For some reason, I'd be all all about it and I'd be all in with it. So that would yeah. be my, my yeah, bucket Paul. list, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see that happening. Well, you're both still young, man. You look like you're 55. Ah, thank you. You, you look great, you. man. You're in great shape. The checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just want to say purchase Ram on. It's the 50th anniversary tribute to Paul and Linda McCartney's Ram. The release date is May 14th this year. You can order it. You can pre-order it now. Right. Uh, www.genie.us backslash R-A-M-O-N 50th. I'm sure it'll be on Amazon.com as well. And you can also hear uh, some tracks on ram on youtube i think that's available now as well and for more information about denny sywell and fernando perdoma perdoma perdomo yeah perdomo okay perdomo he's a cuban Uh, kid from miami is he cuban i'm I'm half cuban and he plays drums too he plays his ass off i put a little we he was over here the other day we got a little video of us jamming in the studio he's really a good player awesome he's uber talented i I love this guy He's my new partner. We're going to be yeah. doing some more stuff. Look out, man. Well, you tell I'm him you talked to a lot. Cubano today. <laughs> I tell okay. a Cubano. My mom was Cuban. Okay. <laughs> uh, for more information, you can also visit www.dennysywell.com. You're on Facebook at Denny.Sywell, uh, Twitter at Denny's Trio. And yeah. also, Fernando is on Facebook and also yeah. on Twitter. And the other thing you should mention is, like, if this sells like we think it's going to sell, mm-hmm. they're going to make up a vinyl of it. So awesome. we'll have a vinyl Good. ready for Christmas. It depends how the pre-orders go. But if, if it yeah. looks like, you know, we got to talk to these people, man. The yeah. record-buying pu- public just got so used to getting it for free. It sucks. Not supporting live music or recording musicians. This is how we pay the rent and we put food on the table for our families. So uh, come on, get that money out of your pocket and buy music again. Exactly. Nothing but but good for the world. And and there's nothing like buying a Ram album. That was a great album. And this is five stars, ladies and gentlemen. It's a great album, done well, produced marvelously you're, yeah. you're gonna love this album you really are thank you ray yeah danny thank you so much man for being on the show today i really appreciate it uh, hope to talk to you again soon what what's do you have anything going with the jazz band right now yeah well, well now that we're starting to open up again uh okay jazz trios here's my mouse pad you'll get a kick out of it <laughs> awesome cool <laughs> that's the last album trio that, uh, yeah. called boomerang boomerang and, uh, that, that came out on Quarto Valley Records in LA. Okay. And uh, that's available in vinyl and CD and on my website. And uh, yeah, we're going to be starting to, to look to get, we got to find a manager and an agent at this point so we can play some of the jazz festivals in the summer. Oh, definitely. 
and I, I really want to. This is a great record. It's a great mm -hmm. trio, and it's uh, become my project. My, I, I really love it. It's some of my best work. Well, make sure you come to Florida. We got Clearwater. We've got uh, the Tampa Bay area. We got a big jazz fest down here as well. Yeah, so, I love that. I love yeah, it. and let me know when you're in town. You've got it, Ray. All right, Denny. Thanks, man. Thank you. Everybody have a great time. Stay safe out there. It's almost over. Almost. You're right. Peace and love. Peace and love. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, well, we're still on it. I want to thank, very special thanks to the great Billy James of Glass Onion PER for arranging this interview with Denny Sywell. And, of course, the dynamic duo of Doug and Don Newsom of BBS Radio for making the magic happen for each and every broadcast of Interviewing the Legends. Uh, if you have comments, suggestions for the show, please contact me at interviewingthelegends at gmail.com. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Interviewing the Legends with Ray Shasho, for the very latest interviews. It's real news, people. And please, please buy my new book. It's finally out. It's entitled The Rockstar Chronicles, Series 1. It chronicles truths, confessions, and wisdom from the music legends that set us all free. You can order yours today on the collector's edition, hardcover, or ebook at bookbaby.com and amazon.com. It features over 45 intimate conversations with some of the great, greatest rock legends the world will ever know. And it did get five stars, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on Interviewing the Legends with Ray Shasho. Peace and love. Bye-bye now. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Interviewing the Legends. Brought to you by the Publicity Works Agency. Call 941 877-1552 or visit us at publicityworksagency.com specializing in author and music artist publicity plans we shine when we make you shine tune in to interviewing the legends every tuesday at 7 p.m pacific time on bbs radio station one